Hey everyone, this is Kate from the Your Courageous Life podcast, and this is still the Your Courageous Life podcast, but I am partnering with my friend Andy Sewell for a special nine-part series focusing exclusively on lessons from my book, The Courage Habit. Listen in as we talk about how you can apply the psychology of courage and the neuroscience of habit formation to your life to create lasting behavioral changes. If you've ever wondered how someone can learn the skill of being more courageous in their life, this special Courage Habit series that I'm embedding within the larger Your Courageous Life podcast is it. It's going to have a little Courage Habit themed intro outro, but again, it's still the Your Courageous Life podcast, just a special little nine part series where we do a deep dive into the Courage Habit and how you can apply it to your life. Let's get started. Welcome to the Courage Habit Podcast, an exploration of the Courage Habit, the book and the program designed to break the fear-based habits holding you back and replace them with the courage-based habits to enjoy the life you want. The Courage Habit was written by Kate Swoboda. She's a life coach, creator of YourCourageousLife.com, and director of the Courageous Living Coach Certification Program. In this limited series podcast, I'll be asking her questions about the book and her experiences teaching her techniques. And he's Andy Sewell, an audio producer who has started a new career after two decades of corporate work. Andy is an amazing storyteller. He's ferociously curious, and he's someone who has read The Courage Habit. So he was the perfect person to ask about hosting The Courage Habit podcast. You can learn more about Andy at audioephemera.com. Each episode of the series is a continuation of our conversation. If this is your first time listening, please subscribe to the podcast so you can start from the beginning. Thank you for joining us, and let's get back into the conversation. Okay, we were talking a little bit about stories and how they help tell who we are as a person and where we want to go. And I want to get into how we change that stories. For my own personal example, I did have a very long and successful career in legal services, and I was quite proud of it, quite happy with it, but it didn't have the spark or maybe the excited intention behind that. I wasn't really passionate about doing it. I could be good at it. I just simply wasn't passionate. Sometimes that's hard to tell that story that I made the transition because it was not as exciting as I wanted it to be. But that also feels like I'm saying I wasn't successful and I'm trying to find a way to explain the story of this transition. So I feel a little bit more confident rather than I tried something, it didn't work for me and I'm just picking up something else. It wasn't as flippant as that. It was very intentional. I'm trying to weave the intentionality in that new story. Okay. Well then what is it that you ultimately want? What's the story you ultimately want to be able to tell? I think the story that I ultimately want to be able to tell is twofold. On the one hand, I had an idea and I followed it through and it worked out. That's the short end of the story. And I'm in the beginning of that process. The other story it tells is I was doing something and figured out how to be successful in it, but despite the fact it wasn't enough for me and so I left it behind. Those two stories on each of them both sound like I had something and I decided to let it go or I'm reaching for something that is unattainable. And it's hard for me to put those two in kind of narrative order. Well, I do hear that it is a correct story that you were like in terms of accurately expressing the history of your life, that there was something you were successful at and you left it behind. Yes. So where's the problem? That, that's the first thing I get curious about. Where's the problem with that story that you were successful and you left it behind? 
I think for me, because I left it behind in a moment where there was an obvious next step of growth. And I decided that wasn't something I wanted to commit to because committing to that meant a furthering distance between something I wanted to be doing. And that part is hard. It's hard to say I bought into a system of getting reviewed and moving forward and advancing and getting more accolades and a lot more attention. And of course, more pay comes with that. But it wasn't satiating me, regardless of how much more effort I put into it. And regardless of that success, I wasn't actually getting out of it what I felt I was supposed to be getting out of it. So to me, it was really easy. It had to stop. It, it was kind of the end of that time. I had done everything well. Nothing sank. Nothing burned down. I was just deciding that it wasn't enough and I wanted to move in a different direction. And that feels like a version of a failure story. Hmm. Or if you wanted to try it on, what if you retold that story? Uh, or is it, let, let's parse things out a little bit, that history. So you just gave a history of events. The story yeah. that you get layer that you layer onto it is that it's a, it's a version of failure. That's the story is the narrative, the belief, the interpretation. So there's the history of what actually happened, which was fact history. You were not fulfilled fact history. You had opportunities to continue advancing fact history. You chose not to pursue those opportunities. Those are just the facts. That's the history. The story is the part that gets layered onto it, that it's a version of failure. Am, am I following so far with that's kind of the, the, where you're at? Yeah, spot on. Okay. So would you tell me that history again, but from the the perspective or the story that this was the most courageous thing you could have done? Okay. So I spent a long time in a career, better part of two decades in a career, and I got to a point where the next logical step of advancement presented itself. And I weighed my options and felt I wouldn't be any more satisfied by doing that and I decided to make a change. And I decided that point of where it would have been further success was the right time to follow my passion and put my energy behind something that could be just as successful, just as fulfilling, but even more so because I really had a passion behind it. Yeah. And I mean, I would add into there things like, I had some dark nights of the soul. I mean, you haven't personally confessed to me that you've had some dark nights of the soul, <laughs> but if you've made this move and you have not had a single night of insomnia of on some level, I'm like applauding you right now because, <laughs> you know, like if you made this move and you didn't have like one day where you're like, I'm going to have an extra beer tonight, you know, yeah. um, like you're, you're kind of superhuman because here's the thing. Part of the story of courage is yeah. And I had these dark nights of the soul and I really wondered what the hell I was doing. And I, um, you know, I'll just raise my hand for transitions. I've had had to get on the phone and ugly, ugly cry with a friend, like, Oh, what am I even thinking? And all that. And the day that I handed in my notice, I felt tight in my chest, but I also felt relieved. And since then there have been bumps, but every single time I tell an amazing story and, you know, every single time I capture a sound that, that, you know, when I play it for someone else, it puts a smile on their face because they recognize that I captured this little sound bite that is delightful and inspiring curiosity and, oh yeah, I walk around in the natural world and that little sound is around all the time and I never think about it. You know, these are all the, the things that light me up and 
I still don't know what the hell I'm going to do five years from now, but I can tell I'm moving in the right direction. And, and maybe that that's it. It's like that story of, of courage. And maybe that's it. That's the, that's the part that I feel is almost a little guilt about spending so much time and effort and being successful, almost taking away success from maybe somebody else who would have had the passion in it. And I felt that I was undeservedly getting those accolades and success. I would rather have those accolades and success in something that I was really passionate about. And I felt like maybe I was displacing my own success because I just wasn't getting that feedback internally that this was something that was worth fighting for. At the same time, yes, there were definitely those dark nights. And I think that they come in that defining of oneself. They come at moments where it feels like you kind of do a catalog of everything you've achieved. They often, for me, happen at moments where I was having to do an HR review of myself or an HR review of somebody else and putting down the bullet points of the last year of their work life and trying to then market with what has been successful and what are goals you want to move forward on. And every time that exercise felt vapid to me because it felt like both the list of what you've accomplished and the list of what you want to accomplish were things that I had no interest in. They were just words on a paper. And that felt guilty. That felt mm -hmm. really, really guilty. Yeah, because who you are on the inside was not how you were actually living on the outside, which to me is like the ultimate you know you're living with courage when who you are on the inside is how you are living on the outside as well. And that's what I hear in that. I mean, this idea that like, we can play with stories around taking success away from someone else. How, how can, how can you take success away from someone else? Um, I suppose one could, if you were, uh, libelous, is that the correct legal term? Yeah. Um, if you intentionally went and tried to smear someone's reputation so that they would not get a job, that could be a form of taking success away from someone. Although even then, of course, there's always the possibility people aren't going to believe what you have to say and all that. Um, did you do that, Andy? <laughs> no, <laughs> did, I didn't. Did, did you go sneak into HR and throw out any applications for people who were trying to get your job? Not at all. You, not at all. Yeah. There you go. I mean, I don't, I don't, this I mean, like it's when you really start to play with what stories are, they are assumptions and beliefs and you choose what story you are telling. You could, you could say you were taking the job away from someone else that you could just as easily say, I had the job that I had that I thought was the path I wanted until the day that I realized it wasn't. Yeah. It's and maybe just that simple. You didn't take anything from anybody else. I think at those moments too, it, it can look like a false success, but I was about to say failure, but it's, it's hard for me now to call that really a failure because there was so much more around it. It was successful. It was good. I did like what I was doing. I certainly liked people I worked with and I absolutely enjoyed those relationships. And that was a big part of that severance was I, I, I'm going to leave. And I knew this meant probably the end of any personal relationships with people that I had worked with. And that was really hard to commit to that because it was for my own betterment to lead that situation. But it still felt like that story of I'm going off to ride into the distance and explore my new world of possibilities is a story that we can tell when we're younger and we're going off to college or we're going off to that maybe study abroad program or that new major really? or we've 
Yeah, I feel like you tell. Hold on, let's interrupt that. So it's the story you can challenge here. Yeah, (laughs) it's the story you can tell when you're younger and going off to college. So, so, so there's you can't tell that story at middle age. You can't tell that story when you have navigated a divorce and are embarking upon a new marriage. You can't tell that story if you thought your child rearing days are done and you end up deciding to adopt. <laughs> I love that you're challenging this. So I'm going to fight you a little bit more on it. And I say good, no. <laughs> and here's why is because I have gone through that process where I'm reframing myself because I'm a divorced person. And that often I don't say that out loud a lot because it can sometimes mean another version of failure. It's kind of a benchmark, right? Like the end of a relationship. And when you first hear it, it can be sad or it can be um, a sense of loss. But at the same time, there's also built into the sense of failure. I personally push back against that because I think if the model is a relationship means staying together forever and ever until one of you dies, hopefully not at the hand of the other, that's success (laughs) modeling. That doesn't seem like a very great success model if it's nothing changes, right? You got it. You got it. And I think that if we're adaptive, um, I think of this in terms of, I know that you were into long distance running and very uh, arduous running tasks. I'm not. I've tried. I won't say I failed. I've decided to not take on those tasks anymore. Mm-hmm. But I've done a lot of long distance cycling and a lot of long distance walking. And in both cases, you get to points where you have to push yourself beyond something. You have to push yourself beyond what not just your body wants you to do, but what you've already set the limitation of you. And you follow through with that success. And it's not just the journey, it's every step in between. And we celebrate those journey stories. And you get to the end of your goal, you raise your hands in celebration, and you feel accomplished. But when we have something like maybe a career or a job or an internship or a relationship, and they end, we somehow, when they end by a choice, you've left them before the natural course of that, can come off as a failure because you weren't a good fit for that particular situation. And say that's the, the, you're not allowed to do that after a certain point. You're giving free range to try things and to learn that this isn't the thing I wanted to study. This is the job I wanted to have. This is the right internship for me. When you're younger, when you do restarts in the end, when you do restarts, when you're older, maybe that feels like you were wrong the first time and now you're going back to square one. And that fear of having to discount or eliminate all of the years of effort and assume that nothing was to come out of that. Yeah. can sound like a failure story. Yeah. I think this is a prime opportunity for reframing. Like you were wrong the first time. No, you were, you were where you were the first time. And without a doubt, I mean, you know, you're, the skills you learned from your prior career are going to translate in some way, shape or form to what you're doing here and now. I mean, you and I, we have a contract, (laughs) a legal contract for what we're doing together for this podcast. If you didn't have that legal background, you would not have been able to pull together a contract. Right. So, I mean, that's just like a tiny little example, but, um, you know, I, I think there is an opportunity here for you to redefine being wrong the first time, this concept of that, because at the end of the day, we are only, at, I mean, can you predict the future? Absolutely not. Okay. And I can't either. And I've never met anyone who can. Um, so 
at the end of the day, we are all in this moment doing the very best we can with the information, awareness, knowledge that we have in this moment right here. You cannot possibly go back to who you were when you started your before career and, and, and like, and even if you had come from the future and said any of that somehow, here's the thing, Andy, after a while, you're not going to want to do this career anymore. Who's to say that the person you were at the beginning of all that, that you would have believed them. Maybe your story at the time would have been so loud that you could never do what you're doing now that you wouldn't have even tried it. Yes. I certainly think that that would have been my story when I started. And, you know, you brought up the long distance running. And I think, I think there's like a, a kind of question floating below the surface here. That's about sticking with what you start. Exactly. And, that's exactly it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so I'll, I'll, I'll say, you know, I used to be a triathlete. I no longer define myself as a triathlete. Um, I, I trained for half Ironman triathlons, which, um, you know, and I did sprints and I did Olympic distances, but the half Ironman is half of a full Ironman. I never did a full Ironman, but even a half Ironman for me was a lot. It's a 1.2 mile swim followed by 56 miles on the bike, followed by a half marathon, which is 13.1 miles of running. And, um, that basically for me, cause I'm not super fast, uh, it, it took me about eight hours straight, um, on race day. Okay. I did. I, yeah, literally. Um, I did my first one in 2016. Um, and then I tried to do another one in 2017, happened to get really sick that year. And during cold and flu season, it derailed my progress, went back and did another one in 2018. The one I did in 2016, by the time I got to race day, I was like, I'm never doing something like this again. This is BS sucks. I don't like that. And then I wanted to do one again. So I tried in 2017, as I said, and then I went in 2018. And when I finished in 2018, it was just really clear to me that all that time that I had invested in it, it just wasn't for me. It wasn't what I wanted to do to train for that distance is basically like a part-time job before race day. (laughs) It really, truly, it's 15 to 20 hours a week of training in the final month before race day. I don't like swimming and I don't like cycling. What I liked was I, I do like intensity. I do like that moment in any workout where you're, you're something in you is going, I don't know if I can do this. And something in me kind of is like, Oh, but we're going to dig in here and do it. You know, that that's a fun moment for me. It's hard, but it's fun. Um, and, and really I, I, but I didn't want to do triathlon anymore. And that was part of how I made the switch to CrossFit. The average CrossFit workout is only about 20 minutes and it ends up being a better fit for me than triathlon was. Does that mean that all that time spent triathlon training, it was a failure? I don't look at it that way. If anything, I think it, gave me a really good foundational base of conditioning that allowed me to go into CrossFit thus far, knock on wood, many years in, I've never been injured. <laughs> so, you know, it's, it's all about what's the story you want to choose. That's what this is really coming down to. I mean, this is one of those moments where if we were in a traditional coaching client relationship, I would actually put it to you. And I, I will put it to you here and you don't have to necessarily get you know, into the nitty gritty of it here, but I, I would encourage you to take it into your day. 
what's the story you want to choose? Because if you want to tell the story that this was a failure of any kind whatsoever, you're, you're certainly welcome to. And how's that working for you? And if you want to tell the story that this was the thing that paved the way for me to get to where I am now, because you couldn't have predicted the future when you first started it, and you had, you had plenty of reasons to do it when you first started it, then here you are today and, and, and you get to tell that story too. You are the one who gets to reroute every single story that comes your way. Which ones make you feel better? How are they working for you? I think in those exercises where I'm trying to reframe that story, particularly with the decision to leave an 18-year career at a point in which there was just more expansion to be had and a great opportunity to transition within that, um, within that industry and certainly within that job role to not have to make too many changes with my employment or even my living location and, and be able to expand and step into the, to the new opportunities and turning my back on that. I absolutely felt that I was turning my back with a very full set of skills that I had developed over those 18 years. Not a one-for-one one with the skills that I might need to be successful in this next career, but certainly with some skills that I never would have had access to outside of having that much uh, of an involvement in a career that required me to be disciplined in a different way than I thought that I was going to be um, in, a, in a disciplined career. Yeah, and saving up money to be able to make this kind of transition and the years spent developing um, certain social contacts so that when you're making this transition, you have people in your life that you can rely on who know you, who know what you're about, who can say, yeah, Andy, I believe in you. You can do this. You know, you are allowed to leave the things that are not meant for you. Um, right now I happen to live, uh, just outside of Austin, Texas. And every news headline that is out there is like, everybody's moving to Austin, Texas. Everybody's moving. I'm telling you right now, we already know we're leaving in a couple months. <laughs> it's not for us. Yeah. It's not, it's not my vibe. Um, that doesn't mean that it's a bad vibe for somebody else. It just means it's not the vibe for us. That's okay. It doesn't mean that I'm it, like, we, I think that there, it, it, it's not our air quotes, fault per se. We live in a society that is very binary and that conditions us into these binaries of if it's not this, it must be this other thing. Yes. Yes. This, this, and I experienced it when I left California. I mean, if I could poof my magic wand right now with the different assorted issues that I was experiencing with California and, and alleviate even just three of the five, I would move back in a heartbeat. I, I would prefer to live in California. It was not a match for me in several different ways. There were absolutely people when I chose to leave California who were almost offended by that decision. As if I was saying that to live in California because I, that like, they were almost taking it as if like our decision to leave must mean something negative about those who are staying not at all. I, I wish that it had worked out that we could stay, but it didn't. So it's, it's this binary that I think we all get some conditioning around and, and that we need to look out for that. If something isn't all good, it must be bad. But if something has any bad, it must not have any good. Hold on. It's a mixed bag. 
your, your prior career gave you many things. And it also did not fulfill you on multiple levels. And your new career gives you many things and it will not fulfill you on all levels. I mean, I'm just saying as the head of my own company here, there are absolutely <laughs> things that I need to do as part of running this company that are just uh, like, I don't want to do that. Oh. I spent like hours on the phone with our tax accountant yesterday about a whole thing. You know, I, I don't want to do that, but it, it, okay. You know, like it's not all good or all bad. It's not a binary. It's mixed. It's nuanced. And we're doing the best we can with the information that we have in this here and now moment because we can't predict the future. I think that's maybe part of it about the kind of ruminating you mentioned earlier about um, seeming as if you just kind of picked up and left from a, you know, from California to, to move south. And obviously those decisions don't happen overnight. And part of my ruminating with spending, I don't know how long, I think I was probably planning my exit longer than I'm willing to admit. But in that process, I was taking a an accounting of all the things that I had that I needed to take with me, my organizational skill development or my project management skills that had definitely been enhanced through training and through years and years of exercising them to the path, to the point that some of the reactions were really easy for me to do. I'm very efficient at certain things that I never would have been efficient if I would have started and stayed in a creative career. But taking those sometimes feels a little guilty. It's almost like I'm taking the best from something and carrying it with me. And I don't know why that guilt exists there. It's absolutely what we should be doing. It's absolutely what we do in a lot of interactions in our personal relationships and our professional relationships. We learn from our mentors and our community around us. We obviously want to take the best tools and the best lessons and move on to the next task. We celebrate that. But for some reason, when we have um, a, a change in that it's often described as a 180 de degree turn or an absolute um, severance from life before and life after. And they're all continuations. And I think that's the part that I'm struggling with in the reframing is trying to not only highlight all the positives, but also that the negatives in themselves, the not feeling fulfilled by the tasks or not feeling satiated by any of the challenges that are in front of me or not being able to choose the challenges in front of me, those are also important positives that I want to face positive challenges. I want to face the challenges that I see ahead of me and not be given a menu of them. And I think that I see as a positive. It's hard to reframe that when it sounds like I was just not up for the task. I think that's the, the guilt part is it felt like I was giving up when it got harder. Yeah. And I would even say there's an invitation there to reframe not being up to the task. Like what is wrong with not being up to the task? That was it. That was the part that I felt I, I wanted to say so loud was I don't want to. And and yeah. that is a choice that I can make. And it, in, in my personal situation, I don't have dependents. I don't have um, a, a mortgage that I struggle with um, at all because I don't have one. It felt like I was dealing with a different set of determining circumstances to make the decision. And if anything, it made perfect sense to leave at that point because I was in an apex. Everybody always says, I'd love to like hit the home run, walk around the bases and then go home and celebrate. Like, why not leave at a high point? And in many ways, that's exactly when I left, not at a point in which there was more heights to have. There could have been. I don't know. I could have walked into that and made the decision five minutes later that it wasn't the right decision to make. But I did what I did, and I'm still very excited about it. It's that I don't have enough of maybe the news story to outweigh 
where the old story was maybe going or potentially going. So define it now, right? Like, think, like you just said, I left at a high point. I mean, I mean, like to me, that is like an awesome, supportive, nourishing story. So you're writing the story of what is to come moment to moment to moment now. And from everything that I know about you, every single decision you're going to be making from this point point forward is going to be made with additional awareness, more attention to where fear and courage come in to play. What is the story you're writing right now? I think that's something I wanted to ask you about your own experience. Um, and I had the experience where as I started not doing the legal services work anymore and kind of in the getting my feet wet back in the creative audio production world, I was remembering, I was having a lot of muscle memory that was coming back when it comes to either software or thinking through things or connecting with other communities that felt like I had just been gone for a moment. It had been in real time 18 or so years, but for some reason it felt like it just fit really nicely. And that was a private experience. It was a private reinforcement of a positive decision that I had made. Did you have any of those experiences where you felt like when you made big transitions in your life, you were going to a moment of comfort, but it was a really private moment of comfort. You felt like, yeah, this feels good. And it's hard to nuance that, to show that point of the success, but you feel secure in almost the, maybe it's not regression. I can't come up with a word where you're going back to a point where you had a, a fork in the road and you're almost going back to make a different path choice. Well, I, what I would say is that it hasn't, that visceral experience hasn't been mine, but I know what you're talking about in the sense that I think that on some level, we always know who we truly are, that that is always with us. So the way I would interpret what you described is that who you always are, which is actually beyond audio production. It's, it's more of the essence of Andy that is really in some ways impossible to articulate, but it's a something that's at the core of the creative work and the curiosity and all the inspiration that goes into audio production. And it could be novel writing for somebody else. And it could be, I've always wanted to be a mother for somebody else. And it could be, I want to travel the world and, you know, with just what's in a backpack for somebody else. The, the, the outward expression of it comes back to something core. And we always have it with us, even if we spend 18 years, maybe not honoring it as much because we're doing something else, but it's always there, which means when we return to it, that essence, when we actually sort of turn around and go, Oh, you know what? I am going to fully give you my attention. This core of who I am, that, that feeling of it's like no time passed. I interpret what you just said as well. Yeah. Cause no time really did pass because the core of who you are was always there. I, f- I think of it sometimes as re-familiarizing myself with part of the core that's always been there, but just somehow been patient. And, and that is to say I wasn't ignoring my creative side. I certainly kept up with certain yeah. skills. It was, it almost became a, a hobby that was very different than what my career choices were and my like work obligations were. It was this anecdotally interesting thing. We all have these side hobbies. We all have these side things that we like to do. And some of them do parallel with careers that other people have or choices that other people have made, but transitioning from one or maybe growing what is uh, something as a hobby into something that is a way in which you make money. And then a bigger thing of that is something you identify with. 
can feel like a regression. It can feel like you're going back to the hopefulness of, I want to be an astronaut when I wake up. But in reality, you're actually just connecting back to the core of who you are as a person. And it's a positive. Yeah. You're going within instead of, it's not as much about the external, which I think is the truer definition of success when we've come full circle. (laughs) The going, you know, the who you truly are on the inside being how you live on the outside. Well, I think that I'm going to take this particular task of reframing those transition stories um, as part of a new exercise. I'm going to revisit that reframing part and try to get away from the putting them in the boxes of positive and negatives and putting them more in all positives. It's all part of the whole story. I can't change the past. I can't predict the future. And I'm very content with all the things that have happened in between. So it feels very successful so far. I like it. I like I like you trying on this story. I'm curious and excited to see where it's going to go. So am I. So I'm going to get to work and we'll pick up this conversation again soon. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Courage Habit podcast. And thanks to Kate Swoboda for joining me. You can find her book, The Courage Habit, wherever you buy your books. Please shop local when you can. You can also find out information about her, the Courageous Living Coach Certification Program, and other resources at yourcourageouslife.com. And you can find out more about Andy and his work at audioephemera.com. That's audioephemera, E-P-H-E-M-E-R-A.com. Subscribe to this podcast to get all the episodes and share it with a friend. Also, please rate the show and leave a review as it helps others discover the podcast. Join us next episode when we continue our conversation about building a courageous life. 